Jesus, thank you so much that you have overcome this morning. And just again, Lord, we remember those verses at the beginning that go so well with this song that you are our strength, Lord. And in your strength, uh, because you have overcome, we can overcome. And we thank you for that this morning. And Lord, we ask that uh, you would come, Holy Spirit, and prepare our hearts to hear from your word. And I pray that every heart will be receptive. Would you teach us to be hungry even in these moments? Lord, you've done so much already together, but we are excited that you are not finished with us this morning. So I pray that you give us hungry hearts to receive what you would share with us this morning out of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give somebody a high five or a hug as you take a seat this morning. Tell them you're still glad that they're here at church with you. Everybody having a good morning at church so far? Everybody enjoy hearing from Mark Frazee last week, one who was here. Thank you, Mark. That was awesome. If you weren't here, we're taking a few weeks to hear from people from our family, not from me. So I'm not preaching for a few weeks. Lucky you guys. That's so nice to to uh, have that for you guys. So this morning, I get to introduce somebody extremely special. Uh, he's known me my whole life, and uh, I've known him my whole life as well. And uh, this is a man of God, and he is a leader in this house. He's a leader in every circle of influence he seems to step into. If uh, you know him, you know that that's true. He's always looked to uh, for leadership because he's a man of integrity, and he's a man who loves Jesus. And uh, I can vouch for him. He's a man of God. I grew up in his house he uh, is my father, and would you stand and give a round of applause to Mr. Steve Zanako. <laughs> Steve's amazing. Dad is amazing. And uh, we're gonna, we are blessed to hear from him this morning. Amen? All right, I'm going to pray for him, and uh, we're going to have a great time hearing. And uh, I'm going to be in the front row leading the, the, the amens and the yes, God, and come on. So let's talk back to him this morning, all right? He's been preaching for a long time, but he didn't really preach in a church that so liked to talk back to him, so we're going we're gonna to give him a little dose of it this morning, right? Jesus, Lord, we thank you so much for my dad, and uh, we thank you that he's a, a part of this church, and we thank you for the man of God that he is. Lord, we thank you for the decades of, of time that he has spent with you. And Lord, I uh, thank you for the mornings that he always spent with you growing up. Lord, I thank you for that, the, the hours he spent in the basement with you. I thank you that as he stands up here this morning... Um, it's not just good ideas that he's going to share, but it's true, and it's from years and hours and years and hours of spending time with you. And uh, we thank you for his leadership. We thank you for his life. And I pray that uh, you would encounter him in a special way this morning as he shares your word with us. In Jesus' name, everybody who's hungry said amen. 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 <clears throat> Take it away, Dad. <laughs> Beyond great. Uh, to have the privilege to share with you this morning. Um, my wife and I are uh, probably the more towards the senior citizens of this church. <laughs> and we're actually loving that. As we get to speak back, and we recently had a time in our home where we invited married couples in and we didn't invite him in to teach him. We invited him in and said, we're going to do one thing. We're going to open the journals of our lives to you, and we're going to share everything that we learned along the way. Because we realize as a couple that 
there were things that we struggled with, battles that we had that we wished someone would have told us along the way what we were heading into. And so this morning, all I'm doing is really not teaching. I'm opening up my journals of 30 years of following Jesus to you. And my hope is that somewhere in here, you'll be encouraged and you'll find your next encouragement from the Lord because there's always more. <laughs> there's always more. That you'll find that next step that he has for you. Not that he wants from you, but that he has for you. You know, there are many gods, little gods, that steal us from the one true God. But there are so many that find their trail, and this is scriptural, that find their trail back to finances. And it's not because somehow money is attractive. You don't look at a $20 bill or a $100 bill and say, wow, that's beautiful. That's why I want it. Money is attractive because it promises to give us the things that only God can give us. It is by money that the promises come that I can give you comfort. I can give you prestige. I can give you security. I can give you pleasure. I can give you. And that little God kept me from the one true God. I feared God growing up, but I did not know God. And there's a big difference. And so I had came out of college and actually had a very successful college career. I got a job with a Fortune 35 company. I was, quite frank, I moved three times in the first nine months that we were married. I was moving fast, and honestly, I was paid far more than I deserved, but it wasn't enough. And so three years into that, I left and I started my own business. And if I could show you the business card, I took my one-time uh, Fortune 35 company business card and I erased the title and I had embossed on it, Future Millionaire. Now I have to tell you, knowing me, it didn't look like I was captured by money, but I was. There was this feeling in me always that if I could get enough, that then I could find the peace that I so longed for in my soul. And I chased it. And I chased it. The first three years of this new business, we starved. And it was a real struggle. And all I kept thinking was if I could get back to the point where I could make enough to be comfortable and I listed a figure. If I could... If I could just get to this, I will find the peace that I seek. And I got there, and it didn't work. And then I got to twice that a month, and that didn't work. And then I got to three times. And I remember the day that I got to four times that original goal. My business was run on the end of the year. I got a bonus every end of the year, and it was December, and it was a cold day. And I called in for the accounting, and I found out that I had just bonus, and I had just leaped past my fourth goal that I had set that was going to give me all I promised. And I got in my little sports car, and I got in my Nike warm-up, and I was going to my club to work out, and I was driving down the road, and I wasn't two miles out of my house before I realized once again, it had failed. 
I wasn't two miles from my house before I was looking around and realizing once again I had received and it wasn't doing anything for me. And by God's providence, I was driving. It was up in the Castleton area and I drove onto 69, onto the entrance ramp, onto the highway. And just as I realized it was broken, it was not giving me what I needed, I turned on and off on the side of the road was a broken down car. And I don't even know what it was. It was an old, big, white car. To this day, I don't know why in all my self-pity I stopped. But I did. And I decided I was going to stop and help this man. So I pulled over. Actually, I didn't know it was a man at the time. I pulled over. And it was the weirdest thing. It was December and it was cold. And I went over and I knocked on the front window because the windows were actually frosted over. And the back window rolled down. And in that back seat was a man sitting in a big coat, gloves, a hat, a scarf. And he was reading his Bible. And my first thought is you're nuts. You're, you're going to freeze to death here. Nobody can even see in these windows. Nobody, he's not out asking for help. He's got no flags on his antenna. There's nothing. And I just said, I was, my first thought is you're nuts. And I asked him what was going on, and he told me. He was probably a couple years older than I was at the time. And he started to tell me, he said, oh, and he asked me my name, and I said, Steve. And he said, oh, Steve, he goes, I've got this old car, and sometimes when I make a turn, it shorts out the electrical system. And he said, if you'll just give me a jump, I'll be on my way. So I said, okay. I pulled out my jumper cables, turned my little sports car around, set up the jumper cables. And as I'm setting up the jumper cables, this man starts to talk to me about his life. Starts telling me about what he's got at home. Three kids. Names the meal that his wife had for him, that he was waiting. What they would do when he got home that night how they would make and play games together, the stories that they tell, the games that they played. And I found myself listening to this man and being enthralled with his life. And I set up my jumper cables in my little sports car. Battery wasn't big enough to jump his big old car, so it failed. So I took my jumper cables, I literally hooked them to my car, and I put them out into the entrance ramp, and I started asking people to stop, actually not asking, yelling at people to stop, and nobody would stop. And I started getting mad. And I swore at people. I swore at people as they went by because I couldn't understand why nobody would come out with a maniac with a jumper cable and hook up. But they kept passing by. And I walked out. And I'll be, that man walked out in that road. And he put his hands on my shoulder. And he said, Steve, don't worry. God will take care of it. And I had thoughts and racing through my mind just saying, who are you? And why are you so sure? How do you know? Because I don't. Eventually somebody pulled over and we hooked up his jumper cables. And I knew as his car started, I got one of the biggest pits in my stomach I've ever gotten because I didn't want him to leave. I didn't want him to leave. But he got in his car and he drove away and he rolled down his window. And just as he rolled away his window, he rolled down his window and he yelled back, God bless you, Steve. And I sat on the side of the road and I cried for 30 minutes. Because I knew at that minute that as he drove away and he looked at me in my sports car, and my club, and my outfit, I didn't have one thing that that man wanted. And as he drove away, in a car that he couldn't even afford to fix, he had something that I had 
to have. And all I knew is that he found it in the Bible. That's all I knew. So I drove to the Christian bookstore. <laughs> and I got a Bible. Well, actually, first thing I did was went home and I decided I was going to read the Bible that I got from junior high that was a King James version. That lasted about two days. <laughs> So I went to the Christian bookstore, and I went to that Bible, and I asked them, and I'll bet you that was a pretty conversation what I had, but I knew I needed a Bible, and I started reading it from cover to cover because that's how I roll. <laughs> and I needed to know what was going on. And in that journey, can I show you a verse, a verse I came to? It's Proverbs 23, 4, and 5, and it says this. Do not weary yourself to gain wealth. Cease from consideration of it. When you set your eyes on it, it is gone. For wealth certainly makes itself wings like an eagle that flies towards the heavens. And I read that verse and I started crying again and I said, that's me. That's me. I kept climbing. And every time I almost got to where I wanted, it just took off and went a little higher. And then I climbed again. And then I climbed again, and then I climbed again, and every time it would take off and go a little higher. And all of a sudden, as I read the scriptures, I had a discovery that God knows me better than I know me. I started reading and saying, what if I would have known this before? And then I had a cry in my heart, what else do you know about me? that you could save me from some of these struggles and the heartbreak that I've experienced. So the first lesson was God knows us better than we know ourselves, folks. Second, somewhere over the next year, I understood the salvation of Christ and I accepted Christ. Jesus was now my Savior. <laughs> but even as a Christian, I want to tell you, I still maintain control over most of my life. Over most of my life. Genesis 3, if we look at it, when we look at it, Genesis 3 describes a story of the first time that man, God has given man everything that they need in the garden. And all he has said is that there's just one thing that you can't do, and it's this. And there were, there's details involved, but the main point was this. I'm God, and you're not. That's the one thing. I'm God, and you're not. And can I tell you something? I found out that every temptation in my life ends back at that point. Is God God or am I God? Because the original rebellion comes down to this. Satan comes and says, you don't need God. You can be your own God. And the way that looked in my life, even as a Christian, that I realized is that so in Genesis 3, 4, and 5, that's the temptation that we see. You can be your own God. And it's whispers, and it says that God's keeping the good stuff from you. You come up against points, and you realize, you start thinking improperly about God. You start thinking, you know what? God isn't letting me get to the stuff I really need. He's kind of pulling a power play on me. It wasn't a negotiation when he said that. It wasn't, a, I'll give you all this, and I'll tell you what, you let me be God. It wasn't that. It was this. I'm going to give you all this. And there is a fact. You can never be God. Don't try. 
It will destroy you. It was a loving father stating a fact, not a God pulling a power play. And as I lived in my Christian life, it betrayed this reality that I often was not leaving God on the throne. You see, I kind of approached it as if God being God was a one and done decision. Oh, now I believe God is good and therefore he is God and I'm not. I found out that wasn't true. See, my life betrayed that I was taking God on and off the throne, sometimes every day, at least every week. And here's what it would look like. I would be in an argument with my wife. And I would hear God saying, I knew I needed to be quiet. Just step back, Steve. And here's what happened. No, there's three more things I need to tell her. (laughs) And then I'll let you be God again. It looks like a business deal when there's money on the table and all of a sudden you look and you say, God, truth is worth $2,000, but this will cost me $5,000. I'm going to shade the truth for just a little while. And then I'll put you back on the throne. I have talked to countless men, Christian men that have had affairs. And you know what I've never run into? I've never run into one who said, Oh, I didn't know God said I shouldn't do that. It was never a shortage of knowledge. It was a crisis point that happens in all our lives where our will comes up against God's will and we have to decide in that moment, who's God? And I'm telling you, those collisions happen every day. And the decision of who's going to be the God in your life. Every temptation leads back to Genesis 3. So I learned that lesson number two is, even after I encountered God on that side of the road, we still need to grow in our trust of God. We are still, and you are still, on a journey of trusting God more and more and more. And allow yourself that journey. And the truth of that journey. Paul calls this the renewing of our minds. Let me show you in Romans 12, 2. Paul says this. And do not be conformed to the world, or do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Look at that verse. That is Paul writing to Christians And he's saying, you still need to renew your mind to what? To the fact that God is good, acceptable, and perfect in everything. Prove that the will, prove to who? To us. We still have places of doubts in our lives. And we still have parts where we want to grab control. And we still have to learn. How does that journey look? And that is that you will have to come to a point, and I'm telling you as somebody who's 30 years in the journey, you will come to points. God's ways are not our ways. God's ways are not our ways. That means when you walk out this door today, you better expect that you're going to run into collisions where everything in you, in your heart and your flesh, and your, your flesh says, do it one way. And God's way is going to be the other way. And you're going to face a crisis. And you're going to have to decide. 
when I looked at Christians, I, I'm a processor. And I would look at Christians all in the same church. And I would notice this one thing. Christians that went to the same Bible studies, heard the same sermons, had the same fellowship. 20 years down the road, looked very, very different from each other. Why? I would see one person's faith who seemed dried up, who if I went and asked them, and I tested this, and if I went and asked them and said, tell me your last God story, and you know what they'd refer to often? Their conversion 20 years ago. But then there was these people that were on fire for God. And when I went to them and said, tell me your last encounter with God, I promise you, they would say something that happened in the last day or two. It wasn't always huge. It could have been just a phone call that they trusted God for. It didn't matter, but they could always look and say, oh no, I saw God here, I saw God here, I saw God here. If you want to learn how big God is, you're going to have to trust him when you don't feel like it. You have to build your history with the God of the universe. And it looks like this. He's going to walk you a little bit. And he's going to teach you in his grace. And he's going to lead you. And then he's going to say, now, step off. And you're going to have to decide whether you step off. And you will have the choice to say, no, I'll be God for a little while longer. And he'll lead you around again, and he'll lead you around again, and he'll come and say, come on now. And you'll have the opportunity to say no. And he'll lead you around again, and he'll keep doing that. The person that I described over here that's got the dried up faith said no, 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 no. And so they have no God stories. This person that I described over here said yes. And they jumped off. And they know what they found out? God is huge. And then he led them someplace to the next step. And he said, jump off here. And they said, no, that's too big. And he said, no, 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 no. You said that before. Do it again. And he did. And then he did it again. And then he did it again. And that's why you can't shut him up about God. That's why he's got God story after God story after God story. When? is your last God story. It's the proof of your faith. Let him take you for a walk. And I guarantee you, it's for one purpose. It's not a power play. He wants to show you how big he is. But he can't do it if you stay within your comfort zone. We can keep God small in our lives. I'm just saying you don't want to. You don't want to. So I learned again that we still had to grow in the trust. And if we will take those leaps, here's what we find out. And this is where I was making a mistake. I thought God was giving me rules and hoops to jump through. And then I found out he just really loved me. 
It was in these leaps that I discovered the Father heart of God. And now I get to go to him and say, hey, what's next? What else do you have for me? I'm going to be scared again. I'm going to need help. I may even take two or three shots at it. But Father, I don't want to miss it. So keep with me. And I'm just saying he's going to walk with you. And he's going to show you his father heart. And you're going to realize that everything he asks of you is because he loves you. So God knows better, knows us better than we know ourselves. And then even after encountering God, we still need to grow in our trust. But there was something even greater still. And I want to tell you, I've been walking with Jesus for 30 years. And this is something I've only discovered in the last about eight years or so. There was a book and a concept that was popular called God is My Co-Pilot. It was well-intended. But that is a dangerous concept. God is not our co-pilot. That's how I lived much of my life. See, I, I believed that I lived under God's big umbrella. But under that umbrella, he had given me and made me a certain way. I had talents to be able to build a business. I had strength in order to carry loads. I had discernment to be a father. I had wisdom to carry out board responsibilities. I had um, um, love to be able to carry out a marriage. See, those were all things under that big umbrella. But God just made me, and I needed to operate under that big umbrella. But I was not really attached to the vine under that umbrella. I was doing it on my own. I had strength to be a good husband, talent to be a successful businessman, perseverance. I was pretty persevering. And then one day, it all began to fail. Cancer struck our family. Not once, not twice, but three times. Business things came up that I couldn't handle. My own physical struggles that impacted our marriage, and I couldn't get out of them. And then I had children. <laughs> that, that could be a statement in itself. But, okay, I'll leave that one. And then I had children that hit life-threatening illness. that my connections, my money, my influence in this city couldn't change. And I threw everything I had at it. And I couldn't impact it. And I had a lot to throw at it. And I didn't dent it. And everything that I once held together began to fall apart right before my eyes. And I couldn't stop it. For the, most, for the first time in my life, I realized something. And I don't know why it took me so long to realize it. The things that I value the most in my life, I am powerless to impact. I can't keep my wife alive. I can't keep my children alive. I can't guarantee their financial security. I can't. The things that I love the most, I have no power 
to impact. And I saw my family spinning down, and I couldn't stop it. Wife, children, health, safety, I was powerless over any of it. And after years of fighting, and I mean years, I woke up one morning and I had nothing left in the tank. I mean nothing. Barely get out of bed. And I woke up to some more bad news. And I walked out into my sunroom and it's a hard tile floor. And I laid down on my towel. And I cried like a baby. And I said, I can't do this anymore. Flat on my face. And for the first time in my life, I felt like God got down on the floor with me. And he held me. And then he spoke. And I want to tell you what I heard. Not a promise that everything was going to be okay. But this promise. In life or in death, Steve, I will be enough for them and I will be enough for you. And I believed him. And I believed him. I heard and I realized at that moment that even bigger than the miracles of God, the biggest gift is his presence. See, we are all going to face struggles that we can't handle. Sorrows? Yes. I'm sorry to say they're coming. And the best promise you can have from God is that God says, I will be with you and I will be enough. And I started to realize that the greatest gift of him is his presence. And you know what I discovered? And I want to tell you, this is a confession I'd been preaching for over 20 years. <laughs> and I didn't get this as much as I needed to. But look in the scriptures from the Old Testament. They would lay out bread. And you know what the bread was called? The bread of his presence. There are an entire section of psalms that are written. And you know what they're called? They're called the psalms of ascent. You know what these psalms of ascent are? Is once a year they would drop everything that they were doing, no matter what they were doing, no matter what time. And they would ascend up the mountains to the foot. To do what? Just to get in the presence of God. And I found out that's all Jesus says. He makes these promises. John 6, 55 and 56 says, For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I will abide in you. That's unbelievable. In John 14, 23, Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come and we will make our abode, our home with him. And then finally, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
and he does it. He's always been faithful. Even greater than the miracles of God is the presence of God. And if you hear nothing else, I, pro I pray that you'll press into him for more. And I need to say this, and then I'll close. I am here in this church, and I'm just going to be, I'm not because Andrew's my son. I'm here because Andrew and Heather and the leadership of this church is pressing us on to encounter God, to trust him more, and to abide in Jesus. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm at Antioch because I learned about the presence of God and I want more. There it is. 30 years of my journals wrapped into, I don't know, however many minutes that was. I hope that there was something in there that you learned or at least that maybe you'll run into somewhere along the way and say, I'm okay. This is where I'm at in my journey. And this is what I need to do next. So just remember these things. God knows us better than we know ourselves. Even after encountering God, it's okay. You still have to journey towards learning to trust him more and more. And if you'll do it, you'll learn about the father heart of God. And third, God's greatest gift is the promise of his presence. Encounter God. Trust God. Pursue his presence. And I promise you this, he will be closer than you ever believed he could be. And he will be more than you ever believed he could be. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the truth that you've lived out in all of history to show us your faithfulness. That you actually hold us from things because you tell us they war against our souls and you want to give us rest for our souls. So help us. If we need to encounter you, then let it be. If we need to journey further in our trust, then let that be. And if we need, we do need to encounter your presence and be with us, Jesus. In your son's precious name we pray. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we believe. Amen. Amen, huh? Come on. Yeah, there you go. That's okay. <laughs> Why don't you all go ahead and stand up? We're going to respond just like we do every week. And um, we're going to have a handful of people over here like we do every week that would, that would love to pray with you. We do this as part of our service every week because uh, the Bible says it's great to hear the word, but it's a blessing to respond to the word. And so we like to have a moment where we can respond. And uh, for you, that may mean heading over here and having somebody pray with you. It may mean you stay right where you are, but we like creating this space so that we can respond to God. And um, 30 years of journals is a lot. So we got a lot this morning. Amen. And uh, I just, I just want to encourage you to respond this morning, that there might be something uh, that, that he shared this morning that, that you need to respond to. There might be a, a little God that you've been kind of 
going to instead of God, not all the time, but sometimes. Maybe, maybe it's been you, and you just need to have a moment here as we worship or uh, even going over and just confessing it to somebody and just saying, hey, here's the truth. I, I go to this thing, and I don't want to do that anymore. There's, there's no shame. There's just freedom in it. So if that's you, I just, I just encourage you to confess that. Confess it to somebody you came with, somebody who wants to pray with you, or, or just confess it with God as we sing this morning. Or just as he closed, maybe there's just a another yes, you know, like he said, it's not just a one time, oh, God's good and now I believe it forever. I don't know about you, but I've experienced that too. Sometimes you got like the next situation, you got to remind yourself, right? Like, oh yeah, he's good. I'm not going to get distracted. He said the greatest gift of God is the promise of his presence. And maybe there's just sort of another step into that that you need to take this morning. As we sing this last song, it's called Everything and Nothing Less. And uh, it's just a, it's the song I think echoes really the cry of our heart of who we wanna be as a church. That God, at least for today, I'm giving you everything and nothing less. And tomorrow I might find more to give. I don't know, I might be holding back, but I'm trying, right? Anybody else ever been there? It's like, as best I know, I'm giving everything I've got. And let's just be a people who step in to that belief that God is amazing and there are promises for all of eternity, but the greatest promise is the promise of his presence, amen? So as I'm gonna pray with us, and uh, if you need to have somebody pray with you, just after I pray as we sing, please feel free to come over. If you're here this morning and uh, you, you heard my dad talking about uh, living his life and having that moment where he decided that, you know what, it's time to actually, for the first time, make Jesus the king of my life. If you need to make that decision today, it's a great day to do that. And again, I encourage you to, to step over and just talk to somebody about it. It's not no magic pill or anything, just go talk to somebody and we'll pray and, and we're gonna have a great few minutes as we close together. Everybody ready to meet with Jesus for a few more minutes? All right, let's sing together. Jesus, we, we love you. And we thank you for these truths, Lord, that you are enough for us, that you know us better than we know ourselves, that the greatest thing you could ever promise us, you have promised us, and that is your presence. And we welcome you, Lord, just in these few last moments. Lord, I pray that for all of us, no matter, you know, no matter where we are sort of in the journey, I pray that all of us individually and corporately would even have maybe the biggest taste or touch of your presence that we've ever had. Just even in these next few moments, Lord, why not? Why not? Lord, we welcome you, Holy Spirit. And God, I ask for anybody who's here this morning who hasn't given their lives to you, Lord, I pray that you would draw them to yourself. I pray that the promise of freedom, the promise of salvation would be what draws us to you more and more every day. Lord, we celebrate you for who you are. And we give you our lives, everything that we've got, nothing less. And would we live lives where we just kind of keep singing this song, where we keep going deeper and we keep seeing you more and more. The truth is, Lord, every time we jump, we're gonna find you better than the last time. You just keep getting better and there's always more. So we love you this morning. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.